Planned family, I want to thank you once again for joining us online. It has been a long time that we've been doing this, and there is a part of all of us that wants to get together again. I know that there are some people that are nervous to get together, and I know that there's a vast majority that are saying, we're ready to run back to the building. The truth of the matter is, it's not time yet. But here's what you need to know, is that we are going to try to create ways to gather a couple different times this summer on our church properties. And so as soon as we have figured this out and how to do it properly, that people can come, an outdoor worship service, we will let you know as soon as possible. The truth of the matter is this. There is a tension that we are all living in. And that tension of matter is that we're, that we're wrestling with is, is this idea of, of wanting everything to go back to normal. But the truth is, is that we can't go back to normal. And I know right now more than ever that people are saying, I just want to go back to what things used to be. And I find it very interesting that, that when I look at Scripture, what I actually see is that there are moments in people's lives, men and women's lives, where things will never go back to what they once were. And what happens is the more that we try to force thing to go, things to go back to normal, the harder it is, and it actually causes more stress, more anxiety, and more tension within us and with others and also with God. But is it possible that in these moments that what God is doing is saying, I want to do something new. I want to do something fresh. That no matter what the world is telling you, no matter what is going on in society, God is saying, I'm about to do a fresh work of my spirit, both in your life and in the church's life. And so for us, this is what we're going to do this summer. We are going to do a sermon series called Can't Go Back. And every single week throughout the summer weeks, we are going to look at men and women who had these moments that they were unable to go back to the way things were, and they had an opportunity to respond to God, knowing that God was going to do a new work, a fresh work that was going to bring transformation to both their life and the community around them. And so here's what I want to do. This time of teaching is our opportunity to lay the foundation, the groundwork for what every other sermon will look like over the next 10 weeks. And so I want you this, this day to be able to stop, to really open your Bibles, take some notes, and prepare for what God wants to speak to you right now to prepare you for transformation that will come in such a way that will allow you to see God's work in everything, even in our crisis moments, that God is speaking at us, God is shouting at us, and God is inviting us that we do not want to go back to what was, but we want to continue forward to what will be. So would you pray with me? Father God, I want to thank you for this time together. I want to thank you that as we join together online, that even though that we are socially distant, that we are staying spiritually united, I ask you right now for a fresh word 
of your Holy Spirit for every single individual who is watching or listening. I ask you that during this sermon series that that you would sharpen our ears, you would sharpen our hearts, and that we would know that you are inviting us to a new journey, that we don't want to go back to how things were, but we want to say yes to how things will be. God, throughout all of history, you used men and women to be the agents of change. But that agent of change came first within them and then to those around them. We ask you that in our time of teaching that you would be with us. In Christ's name, amen. What is God wanting to accomplish? That is the real question that we need to ask as we go through this sermon series together. What is God wanting to accomplish in our lives as we are in the middle of a pandemic, as we are in the middle of of social unrest, what is God wanting to accomplish in our lives? Because I believe for a lot of you out there, you are thinking that God must have forgotten us. God has closed his ears to us. God has pushed himself away. Let me tell you this, people of God, throughout history, whenever big circumstances occurred, crisis moments, pandemics, social unrest had happened. God was always up to his best work. And yet, oftentimes, the people of God felt that God had abandoned them. God has not abandoned us. But what God is about to do is a new work in our lives that's about to bring about transformation. And here's what I believe. And here's what I trust. It's not just a a transformation in me, but it's a transformation in others that has the ability to pour out all around us. We always talk about revival. We always talk about God doing a fresh work. We always talk about a fresh wind, a fresh fire, a fresh change. We always talk about God stepping into the now and doing things that we cannot do. Is it possible that now is that time when we feel maybe most abandoned by God, that God is saying, I'm about to do a new work. And that new work for you, church, is the continued work of sanctification. Now let me give you two theological words, sanctification and salvation. Salvation is that moment that we say yes to Jesus, that moment that we declare that we are helpless and hopeless without a savior and we say yes to Jesus and he becomes Lord of our lives and we declare that he's savior, sanctifier, healer, coming king and we just lay ourselves at the throne of his grace. And it's immediate It's a one-time decision. We don't have to do it again because we have a Father in heaven who's full of grace and mercy. And then the work of sanctification begins. Sanctification is a word that means to be set apart. And God sets us apart for, for two reasons. First, it says in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And so the first work of sanctification is that we are identified as chosen. And now we get to live in this identity that we know 
that in a broken world that God rescued us out of darkness and now we live in the light because the light lives in us. And that light is the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. We are not chosen because of anything we have done. We have, are chosen because we've said yes to the Savior who found us in our wandering, in our lostness. And then we are set apart to live holy lives that we no longer identified by the sins that once controlled us. Those habits, those behaviors, those beliefs that controlled who we were and defined us. Sin is anything that pulls us away from the Father. Sin is anything that tries to control us. Sin is anything that has a grasp on us that takes our eyes off the creator and puts them on ourselves. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5.15, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. We are chosen, we are identified not to live for ourselves, but to live for the Father. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and raised them to life. Jesus died that we would not only have a new identity, but we would have a new purpose. And we would live in the purpose for who we are, God's sons and daughter. And so if you have said yes to Jesus, and you are continuing in some of the habits and some of the behaviors and some of the beliefs and, and some of the thought patterns that you've been living in, your old ways, you have missed the true transformation that Jesus wants to bring. It wasn't just a ticket into heaven, but it was to be identified as a son or daughter. But now that you can see a transforming work in your life, that you can walk in this newness of life so that you can see this transformation that the Holy Spirit is doing in you because all you have chosen to do is say yes to following the living God. Through and by his spirit. Sanctification happens in, in two ways. There's a progressive work, which I, I believe most of us enjoy best, that, that throughout the day there's a working of God. He's, he's sharpening us, he's challenging us in, in our moments, in our conversations, and in the ever-present opportunities that we have to just allow God's Spirit to work through us, that, that the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, is just working itself out in, in the everyday of life. But then you have crisis moments. Real moments that, that awaken our soul, that awaken us that, that something has to be different, something has to be better, something has to change. Matter of fact, there are these moments that we say we can't go back to what it was, nor should we want to. And in both the progressive and the crisis moment, we have an opportunity to allow the work of God to bring true transformation. Progressive work. Here are some characters that we're going to be looking at this summer. Moses, the 40 years of journey in the wilderness, God was inviting him to go on a journey to bring transformation. When you really look at the map, it should have been a 12-day journey. 
but God was not done with the people of Israel. A 12-day journey, God went zigzagged all the way through to do a transformation work to prepare them for what was next. They weren't ready for the 12 days. God needed to take them on a 40-year journey. My question is this. Are you going to have God take you on a 40-year journey? Or are you going to say, I'm going to hunker down and allow God do whatever he wants to do in the moment? What about Daniel's role as the advisor to the king? Daniel always showed up. He was always godly. He always made decisions out that were based on God's will, God's heart, God's agenda, being morally correct, making right decisions. What about Ruth working in the field? She came from a distant land. She moved to a new place and, and she was just trying to figure out what was next. And she said, I'm just gonna show up and trust God. And because of the culture and what was happening, she, ha she had to walk behind everyone else but she trusted that God would always provide for her. What about Isaiah's priestly role? That even though he was living in a place of oppression, he just showed up and did what God asked him to do. And in those moments, God did something fresh, something powerful. Romans 12, two through, two through three. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Our thinking changes our actions. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. But let God transform you into a new person. Do I... Do you recognize that every single day that we trust God in the moment, as we trust the working of a spirit, as we trust him as we see him in scripture, as we lean on him in prayer, that God is doing a work that's bringing transformation. It's like the butterfly. The caterpillar sat in that cocoon for some time. It didn't happen overnight. But there was a sitting in that, the cocoon where, where there was a transformation going on. Not a change, not a conformity, but a transformation that, that was pushing and pulling and stretching and changing and transforming. And then one day that butterfly releases just something totally, totally different. God wants to do that in us. And then we have these other moments outside the progressive moments. And I will say this, I believe we like the progressive work of God better. Why? Because it's, we can kind of watch it. It's a little bit more controllable. It's a little bit more predictable, if I could say it even better. But then there are these crisis moments. Moments that, that actually things will, will never go back to the way they were. And a crisis moment can be both positive and negative. The birth of my children was a crisis moment. And those were the greatest crisis moments in my life because I knew that I was never going to see life through the same lens. And they were good. But then there were other crisis moments. The loss of a grandparent. The loss of a friend. A pandemic. Seeing our, our kind of, our, our current world just just crumbling apart. Knowing that life will never be the same. And what seems to be a place of sorrow and pain, God is saying, I want to do something fresh and new. 
Even in your pain, beauty can come from ashes. And so these crisis moments that that we really have to, that God is shouting at us and we need to ask these questions. What is God saying to me? It's an identity question. God, what are you asking me? What are you saying to me as your child? As everyone is trying to figure out and maneuver and control their being and they're controlling the circumstance, what are you saying to me as a child that is supposed to depend on you? Give us this day our daily bread. You asked us to pray. The dependency on the Father. And so the question is, what is God saying to me in the midst of crisis? Questions like, God, who are you and who am I in light of this? What are you doing? And is there a faithfulness that I can see throughout Scripture? And then, who are we, the church, in light of this? This is an identity question. Every time we go into a crisis, our identity is questioned. Do we actually believe who God is and who we are in light of him? But then there's a second question. How will I respond? How will my actions, how will my behavior follow? Will I trust God in the moment that he is good and faithful and true? That he will make things not only right, but righteous. He will take that and make that which was broken and bring complete renovation. But in this process, how do I act? How do I show up? What are the decisions that I make? What am I going to do based on what God is saying? There have been some really tough moments in my life that I have felt that my world is crumbling around. And I'll be honest with you, it's in those moments that I feel that God is most distant. But when I find that secret place and I'm alone with God, God is saying, I am more present than never before. It's like the poem that everyone loves, the poem of the footpath, right? At first, the poem talks about that there's two footpaths. Then all of a sudden, when the waves and the turmoils of life come, there's only one footpath, and the person questions God, where were you? And God says to him, I was the one carrying you. Am I willing to rest and trust and make the decisions that allows God to carry me through these circumstances? Crisis moments in scripture, Noah and the flood. Rain wasn't normal. It didn't happen. And all of a sudden, God said to to Noah that that the skies are going to open up. Was Noah going to trust God? Did Noah trust who God was and who he was as a child of God? When Jacob passed away and there was tension amongst the brothers, Were the brothers and Joseph going to trust the the work of God even in the passing of their father? Were they going to take things into their own hands? What about when Daniel was thrown into captivity but before he ever lived this amazing life in front of the king? His name was changed. His role was changed. His identity was changed. He was stolen out of his land and say, how am I going to behave now? What am I going to do? And what about Esther? 
a woman who was put onto a beauty pageant to marry a ruthless, violent individual? Was she going to say yes to be part of the transformation of God's people? Whenever God wants to do a work in us, he's preparing us to be part of him doing a work in others. Let me say that again. Whenever God is doing a work in us, he's preparing to do a work in others. And as we trust God, and as people see how we trust God, they have the opportunity and the best opportunity to do the same. One, of the, one very important point that I need to make is that we don't always say yes in these crisis moments. We don't. I believe there are so many crisis moments that we say no to that we become like the Israelites that what God could have done in 12 days takes us 40 years. And I want to just highlight some of the lost moments of people in Scripture. Because Scripture isn't just about those people that said yes to God. It's also about the picture of those who said no to God and missed out on that blessing in the moment. We have to believe that right now that God is up to something that we don't understand, but there's a blessing that's going to come out of the ashes Saul being confronted by Samuel to obey God. Saul said no. Where Samuel was crying out to Saul, trust God, he's got a bigger plan, a bigger purpose. I mean, Saul had some of the most dramatic moments with the living God where true transformation happened. But Saul was so caught up in his ego and self that he chose his own path. Sarah telling Abraham to take Hagar to bear a child. God did not tell Abraham that, that Hagar was going to be the one that was going to bear the chosen child. God told Abraham that Sarah was, but because of the conflict in the marriage, Sarah said, I'm done. Take her. And there was a lost moment that caused pain to Hagar and to others and caused pain between Sarah and Abraham. And what about Peter being asked if he knew Jesus the night Christ was brought in front of the Sanhedrin's? Peter right beforehand said, no matter what happens, Christ, I will follow you to the end. I will die for you. And Jesus said, on the night that I'm betrayed, on the night that I, you will betray me three times, on the night that I am brought before the Sanhedrin's, you will betray me three times. Peter said, not me. And every time Peter was confronted by someone, Peter lost that moment and lost what God was up to. I have lost moments that God wanted to do a, a, a work in the snap of a finger. Because in those moments that we say yes, there's an initial transformation that occurs that empowers us and pushes us to allow God's work to be complete. So we need to bring this back to, to our context, 
to our day of age. COVID-19, it is summertime. And I've been telling our church board and I've been telling those closest to me and I've been telling my family that the biggest frustration and dilemma that we are going to run into is trying to pretend that it never happened. And then we want that we want this summer to look like last summer or the summer before. And here's what you're going to do. If you try to play normal summer during the summer of 2020, you are going to be frustrated. You are going to be stressed out. And you're going to allow anxiety to become part of who you are. And you won't only do this to yourself, but you will do this to those closest to you. And during this whole pandemic, that during these summer months, God is saying, let me create a new norm. Is it possible that God is purposely slowing the earth down? Wow, that's a really big statement, Rob. But is it possible that God is trying to slow the earth down so that we would be positioned to hear what that new better norm is? Is it possible that that in the homes that each one of you have, and I've been in many of them, that God is saying, I'm trying to create a place of shalom, peace for you, a place of rest, a place of family, a place of unity, a place of my presence. Like, Do you realize that when you do church in your house, your house is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are practicing new rhythms, rhythms that we have talked about. Your house is the home of the Holy Spirit, not only for you, but for your children. You are setting new habits, new standards that we gather for worship. I disciple you in the four walls of my house. Or are you going to push that back because the world is saying that you need to get out of here? You owe it to yourself. And what about the racial injustice? It is a fact that COVID-19 has brought everything to the surface. And it pains me. I have wept. Seeing what is happening to individuals, to a group of people that have been treated horrifically. Is it possible that now more than ever, God is wanting to bring change to our country? That all men and women would be be created, be treated and, and see that they are created as equals. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. Do you hear what I'm saying when I say this? It doesn't matter the color of your skin. But God create us as equals. And God finds no favor in the color of our skin. And one day when we go to heaven, heaven is going to be beautifully diverse. And as Christians, we have an opportunity to reflect that in the church. We have an opportunity 
to step into this conversation within our communities and say, God is for all. Our skin color does not determine our value. And the injustices that are taking place of those who are in positions of power, that it's wrong. And it needs to be dealt with. But right now, everything is blowing up. Is it possible that God is saying, stop? Value what I value. Love how I love. Treat people with the respect that you so long to be treated with. And church, this is the opportunity to rise. Oh, church, where are you? Oh, people of God, it's not that you're just speaking up, but are you standing up? Are you not just saying things on, on, on social media because that can, that can just be a punch and run? Or are you in the everyday conversations having true, conver true conversations that you are speaking graciously and lovingly and with a foundation of what God believes? I talked to one person who's who is actually Jamaican-American, and he's black, skin color's black. And he said this, he said, Rob, this is what I try to, treat my, this is what I try to teach my children during this season. Be, be clean and be kind. Be clean and be kind. I'm like, wow, that's prophetic. Imagine if during this whole COVID that we respected the authorities over us. But then we, the church, the whole church, loved people as Christ loves us. Jesus declared this. I have come that they may have life abundantly. Another translation says that I have come that they have made a rich and satisfying life. Another translation says, I have come that they may have life to the full. There were many moments, whether it be the Israelites or Daniel or one of the disciples, that in their crisis moment, didn't seem like life was really rich or life was really full, or there was abundance around them. But as they stayed grounded and they walked through the moments, the fullness, the richness, the abundance of God was coming through them because it was being embedded within them. So summer questions. Where do we go from here? I want to challenge you with two questions to ask yourself every single week. First, God, as I look at the different characters of Scripture 
and I walk through my weeks, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And then second, how do you want me to respond? How do you want me to respond? This summer, if you are willing to ask and respond to these two questions, you will experience the sanctifying work of Christ in your life. I want to pray before we go to a song of worship. During the song of worship, I want you to begin to just open your heart to asking these two questions. Father God, I come to you with an open heart and open hands. God, as you take our staff through studying your word to teach to your church, I give you permission to do whatever you need, whatever you want in my life. And God, I ask that that would be the same posture of our church. An open heart, an open hands. That we would ask you, God, what are you up to? And how do you want me to respond? So during this time of worship, just allow that questions, those two questions to go through your heart and your mind. Let me bless you as your pastor. I bless you with the grace and mercy to say yes to the work of God. In this moment of crisis that each one of us has been walking through, I bless you with the power and authority to say yes. And I bless you that in your yes, God will be faithful to do his will and his work for his good pleasure in your life. Amen. Remember, Plant Family, we love you, we're praying with you, and we're praying for you.